What's up, guys? My name is Barn Saunders, and you're listening to the Sunday Recovery Podcast. Thanks for tuning in today, guys. And on this podcast, we will be talking about recovery in the broadest, most general sense possible. Recovery is so much more than just getting over something. Whether that be drugs, loss, physical injury, or mental health, the principles of recovery can be applied to all areas of life. And in this podcast, we're going to be focusing on everything and anything that can cause struggles in life or cause great success in life, and how to navigate through the good and the bad times, as well as getting on the path of recovery from any and all setbacks or choices that may have led you down the wrong path. Another thing I want to emphasize is recovery is a constant progression forward. And what that means is recovery doesn't ever end. You can recover from something and then always fall right back to where you were. That's why in recovery, and especially here on the Sunday Recovery Podcast, you won't hear us talk about how to recover and be finished. Recovery is always pushing forward and striving for betterment, even when the original reason for starting recovery is no longer a factor in your daily life. What's going on guys? I want to start out this week's episode by saying huge thanks to everyone who has tuned in and I'd also like to say an extra thanks to all the feedback and support that I've been getting. Um, it's been really awesome and I love hearing from you guys about the podcast. So uh, you know as always if you give this episode a like, thumbs up, um, give the podcast a follow on whatever streaming platform you use. Um, we're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, um, you know, and if you share it, all of those things help the podcast grow organically so that, you know, someone who may have never heard about the podcast before just scrolling across Spotify, you know, it's more likely for the podcast to show up for them. Um, so huge thanks. And this week's episode is going to be all about networks and the significance and the importance of having a solid network in recovery. Um, this is a huge topic for me. I talk to people about this all the time, both in and out of recovery. Um, but you know, pretty much anything you know that you want to accomplish, anything you want to be successful in throughout your life, your network can be a very, very huge part of it. Um, and it's safe to say, you know, I I have no idea where I'd be today if it wasn't for my network. The people that I know who are like-minded, passionate about recovery, you know, want to see other people do well, be successful, um, and are just constantly there for me, you know, to kind of give me advice, give me suggestions, you know, they're there to pick up the phone whenever I'm going through a hard time or, you know, if I'm in a situation that might be triggering today, I know that at any given moment I can pick up the phone and talk to numerous addicts who have a wealth of knowledge and experience, you know, way beyond what I think that I know about recovery. But yeah, so I guess to dive right into it, you know, today I really want to give a little bit of my story as far as, you know, building my own network within recovery. So you know, my first time getting clean and sober, I did the exact opposite of, you know, what was suggested to me and the advice that was given to me, right? You know, I didn't, didn't dive right into recovery. I didn't start going to meetings. You know, I was doing it for all the wrong reasons. 
really I was doing it as you guys have heard on on this podcast before you know I was doing it to get my parents um, get my parents off my back a little bit and um, you know I was successful for a time at uh, staying abstinent however I was very far from successful at achieving recovery Um, and then you know after six months you know I thought I had proven to everyone in my life that I didn't have a serious problem so you know I said here we go I'm gonna go out and have one shot Um, And that relapse sent me on a string of relapse after relapse until eventually I hit my rock bottom Um, after another overdose and then going to rehab finally for the first time ever, finally surrendering to the fact that I do indeed have a disease of addiction and it's much more than just staying abstinent for me. So this time around when I first got clean, you know, the... Something that I kept hearing um, in the rooms in the 12 step meetings that I would go to, you know, early on, something I kept hearing was network is everything, right? You need to get phone numbers, you need to be meeting people, you need to be introducing yourself at meetings, you know, you need to be reaching out for help and asking people for advice, suggestions, and guidance. Um, And a key difference in, in the way I approach recovery early on this time around was doing just that. Um, you know, every single meeting I went to, I went to 90 meetings in my first 90 days. Actually, I went to over 100 meetings in my first 90 days um, this, this time getting clean because, you know, I saw what had happened before. You know, I saw how I thought I had everything in my life back under control just because I was staying abstinent, you know, and I had seen how that ended up for me. So I wanted to do something different. So this time getting out of rehab you know, for me going to rehab was doing something different just just from doing that in, in above itself, um, but taking it, it further than just that. You know, I wanted to actually take a look at the people who I was meeting, you know, who had a ton of clean time, you know, had lives that to me looked, you know, like the life of my dreams. You know, I wish I was clean, serene, peaceful, calm, you know, not easily agitated, not easily upset, and not thinking that the only way to avoid any feelings was to turn to substances, right? When I would see people like that and and hear them speak in meetings, see the way they carried themselves, you know, I kind of realized early on that, you know, if, if that's what I want for my life, maybe I should start paying attention and actually taking advice. And the biggest thing of that for me early on in those first 100 meetings in my 90 days was building a network. Um, so in every meeting early on, you know, I'd intro- introduce myself. Hey, you know, I'm new to this whole recovery thing. And, uh, you know, my name is Barnes and I really need some help. I'd appreciate phone numbers. I'd appreciate, uh, you know, any connection to resources out there. Um, I just don't want to get high again. And I don't want my life to be miserable anymore. Sick and tired of being sick and tired. You know, all those things that I'd been telling myself for a very long time. You know, I was finally able to get the courage from seeing other people do it. You know, in meetings, I was finally able to find that courage to speak those sorts of words out loud. Um, And it was amazing the response that I saw. You know, people would come up to me after the meeting, like, hey, man, here's my number. Give me a call if you ever feel like using. Call me before. Um, Don't call me after you get high because, you know, that's not how this shit works. Pick up the phone. The moment you think you're getting a feeling that may be too hard for you to deal with on your own and we can talk it through. But yeah, so the, you know, for me, it really was 
Um, you know, I've heard it said a lot of times, and I think it's the best way to describe it for myself as well as I had the gift of desperation. You know, I knew what I'd been doing wasn't fucking working and I wanted my life to change. And, you know, I finally realized that if I want my life to change, I need to change the people in my life. They say it, they say it all the time in recovery. You got to change people, places and things. Um, and I just dove right into that. You know, I wanted to surround myself with people who I saw as the winners in recovery, you know, people who I trusted, people who seemed to be living the life of recovery that I wanted for myself. Um, And it was really building that network that finally helped me, you know, get the hope that, you know, if all these people that I'm seeing in meetings, if all these people that have given me their phone number and, you know, give me advice and suggestions and tell me to pick up the phone and call them, you know, if they all have, you know, years clean and, you know, meaningful, fulfilling, purposeful lives, and they seem happy, they seem content, you know, they don't seem like, uh, what's the word for it? I mean, for the longest time, I was just always on edge and always chasing after something, you know, for me, it was the next high, but, you know, I see it all the time in other people, the next, you know, next quick way to make a dollar, um, you know, the next car, the next flashy watch, you know, whatever it was, but Finally, when I started paying attention to people with a lot of clean time, I started seeing that it didn't really seem like they were chasing after anything. You know, if anything, what they were after was internal growth, internal progression. Um, And it was the first time I've really started looking up to people, you know, that were focused on, um, you know, improving themselves internally, right? Like not focus on the next big promotion, the next big raise, the next big you know, investment opportunity, um, definitely not the next big party, the next, you know, crazy combination of drugs to make you feel like you never felt before, you know, and all those things, that's what I was focused on um, for the longest time. And then finally shifting that towards, you know, seeing, well, you know, none of that shit was ever giving me any sort of satisfaction. At the end of the day, all it made me do was want more. Um, and you know, at the, at the base of it, I feel like, you know, regardless of the substance, you know, my disease always wanted more, you know, whether it was alcohol, whether it was cocaine, weed, mushrooms, LSD, you know, pills, whatever it was I was doing, you know, the substance in and of itself didn't matter. And I can also replace that, you know, I'm guilty of this shit today too, is, you know, I can replace that with, you know, a new car or new shoes, new outfit, new bag, um, new watch, new headphones, new sneakers, you know, I'd love to have a million watches, um, but I guarantee you, even if I had a million watches, you know, I'd probably still see another watch and say, damn, I want that one too, it's kind of nicer, I don't think I have one like that, Um, so finally being able to see people in my life who, you know, were just focused on a totally different set of priorities is really what helped me you know, in those early stages of, uh, you know, deciding who I wanted to build my network on, you know, that's, that's kind of the way that I looked at it. And it's the way that I still look at it today is, you know, in my professional life, in my professional career, um, you know, do I want someone that's just, you know, always trying to do what they can to make the most money, cut corners, or do I want to follow after and ask advice from people who are focused on building their skills and building their knowledge base, and also focused on networking, building connections. You know, I'm sure I've said it on the podcast before, because I, I say it almost every time I share, but 
I love, uh, I heard this one time in a meeting and, and I feel like it's so applicable to my life and, and my own experience. So, you know, I love saying this all the time. I truly believe that the opposite of my active addiction today is connection. The relationships that I have in my life today is what keeps me away from my active addiction and what my life was like then. Um, and it's something that, you know, I have to work on every single day. Every single day I pick up the phone and I talk to probably at least three to five other addicts, um, you know, that are in recovery. And, you know, we all go through different things, different trials and tribulations, and we have different experiences. But the one thing I know is that if I pick up the phone and express some feelings you know, if I get honest about how a situation is making me feel, another addict is not going to focus on the situation. They're going to focus on the feelings and say, hey, I know what it feels like to feel that way. And you don't have to get high over that shit today. You know, just talk me through it. Let's talk through the situation. Let's look at the options. You know, let's talk about what's causing you to feel that way about the situation. Um, and let's pray together or, you know, let's go to a meeting together or let's go grab food and you know, just do something to allow yourself to take a step back from the situation instead of um, just spiraling, spiraling out of control, um, which is what I used to always do. And I didn't know how to stop that without, uh, you know, I didn't know how to silence my mind um, without substances. Um, but today I know I can silence my mind by talking through it with another addict because it helps me to know that I'm not alone with my thoughts. Um, but yeah, so to me, that is truly the importance of having a network. For me, it's everything. Um, you know, I'm so beyond grateful for my recovery network and the support system that I've built. Um, and it takes time. So I also want to talk about, uh, you know, little tips and, uh, and tricks to, you know, kind of step out of your comfort zone and, you know, try and build that network, right? Because for me, part of my story is, uh, you know, I also moved to a new area. Um, I moved, I moved twice in recovery, right? When, when I first got out of rehab, you know, I moved down to Cambridge, Maryland, over on the Eastern shore of Maryland. And, uh, you know, it was a whole new town. I didn't know anyone there moved into a recovery house. And, uh, that was super helpful for me, um, was moving into that recovery house, right? Because instantly, you know, I'm living with other other recovering addicts. Um, you know, we all go to meetings together. You know, we'd read, read, read recovery-based literature together. You know, we'd sit around in the house and watch movies and stuff together. And, and it was really nice to have that initial foundation. Um, and we'd also push each other to, you know, like get phone numbers at meetings and stuff. And, you know, get a sponsor, like get a home group, start building that recovery network. Um but, you know, those first couple of meetings down there, that's all, all of that stuff was hard to do um, because I've always considered myself an outgoing person throughout my entire life until I got clean and sober because I didn't really realize, you know, when I was fucked up, you know, I didn't, I didn't have any, uh, any care at all, right? But as soon as you take substances out of the equation, then I just started second guessing myself and my anxiety would creep in and all those thoughts... Um, that I was suppressing with substances, you know, I'm no longer suppressing those and I actually have to work through those. So I'm a little bit nervous to ask another man for his phone number and uh, ask him if I can call him if I feel like getting high. You know, all that stuff was new to me before I before I first got introduced to recovery and before I really started taking it serious this time around. Um, and, uh, you know, over time, it gets better and better and better. 
Um, and the, the number one piece of advice that was given to me was, um, you know, when I was getting high and stuff, you know, I, I had, uh, I had an old timer in recovery say to me, when you were getting high and stuff, were you ever, you know, shy or worried about, uh, you know, going up to someone and asking for drugs or going up to someone and saying like, Hey man, like, where's the party at? Like, you know, this is what I'm looking for. Like, you know, and, and it kind of made me realize that, you know, I would do absurd stuff to get high. I would go way out of my way to go cop. I would go way out of my way to go to a party, you know, if I knew that's where the drugs and alcohol was there and I, and I could get fucked up there or, if, or it was a situation where I could party. You know, I would go above and beyond to feed into my addiction. Um, and the, and this old timer in recovery helped me realize that, um, because he said, you know, if you were willing to do all of those things to get high, to feed into your addiction, you know, why can't you be willing to do the same for your recovery? You know, if you want to, you know, if you want to be clean and sober, just as much as you wanted to get high back when you were getting high, you know, then you have to view it the same way. You have to put in that same sort of effort, that same sort of energy. Um, and I've also heard people say before in recovery, you know, I've heard people say, if, if you're willing to put in half as much effort to your recovery as you were willing to put towards your active addiction when you were getting high, you'll be successful. Um, and I found that to be such a true statement for, for my own uh, experience in recovery. You know, so anytime, anytime I was in a meeting and you know, I was kind of second guessing myself and was like, you know what, man, I don't, I don't need any more phone numbers. You know, I don't need to talk to any new people. Um, or even, even if I'm in a moment where I'm kind of going through and something, going through something. And I think to myself, you know, I'll be all right. I just got to man up and, and get over this. You know, I don't need to call anyone. I don't want to waste anyone's time by talking their ear off. You know, I don't want anyone to pick up the phone just to listen to me vent or complain and, you know, tell them about my feelings, you know, in those sorts of moments, you know, what I try to tell myself is, you know, fuck all that. You know, I would put way more effort into this shit if it was about getting high right now, back when I was in my active addiction, you know, no matter how much I don't want to, let me just put a, a fraction of that same effort into my recovery. Let me pick up the phone instead of just suffering through my own feelings. Let me just pick up the phone and call someone and ask them if they're going to a meeting tonight rather than just sit here miserable thinking about, man, you know, I never used to have to feel this way because I could always just go take the easy way out. Um, and, and that's the thing. Today in my life, I do what's hard because I know everything that's worthwhile, you know, takes hard work to achieve it. Um, you know, getting high to me was never hard. Um, it was always pretty fucking easy to go get high and then instantly feel, you know, like I didn't have to worry about anything. You know, and instantly feel good. That sense of instant gratification was so fucking easy to achieve, right? Seconds of doing a line, you know, crushing up a pill, whatever, you know, very shortly after doing a substance, I would get that gratification. Whereas today, if I want meaningful, worthwhile things in my life, I have to do the hard work. Um, and, you know, sometimes it is picking up the phone. Sometimes it is going up to someone who you've never spoken to and saying, hey, you know, introducing yourself and asking for their phone number and asking if they'd like to go out for dinner sometime, just letting them know, hey, I have a lot of questions. You know, I heard you speak and, you know, I really, I really look up to you and, and I could relate a lot to the words you said. And, you know, I just think it'd be nice to connect sometime. You know, I'm 
new to the area or whatever it is, you know, I'm new to this meeting, trying to meet more people. And, you know, I just really want to build a network of people that I can rely on. Best, the best advice that I can give for that is, you know, motivate yourself by thinking about how, how much work you would do to get high. Um, Cause that's, that's what works the best for me is just thinking to myself, like, damn, like, you know, I would, I would, one time I rode my bike for like over an hour just to go cop, right? Cause I didn't have my car. And, uh, you know, if I'm, if I'm willing to do something like that, you know, why can't I pick up the phone? Um, you know, why can't I also ride my bike to a meeting? You know, why can't I call someone and ask for a ride to a meeting? Why can't I walk to a meeting? You know, whatever it is to build a stronger network. If you just put in the same amount of effort that you put towards whatever negative activity you're trying to find recovery from, you know, I can almost guarantee you'll be successful. Um, Cause I see it, I see it in the lives of the people in my network every single day today. But yeah, so I also want to talk to, uh, briefly here, I want to talk to, you know, there are definitely different types of networks. Um, you know, for me, my recovery network doesn't just include people who are also in recovery. For me, it's my family. Um, my family is also a huge part of my recovery network. They're a huge part of my support network. And, you know, even though not everyone in my family can relate to everything that I talk about, you know, they can't relate to everything that I've gone through in terms of being an addict. You know, I know that they're in my corner and I know that I can pick up the phone and talk to them, you know, and rely on them to to help me get through a situation. And I'm beyond grateful for that. And I also want to bring up the point that family, for me, family goes way beyond just, you know, my blood family. Um, I have super close friends that I grew up with who, you know, they might not be in recovery, but they know and understand what my life is like today. And they know if I pick up that phone, they know that I'm just, you know, here to talk. And, and they're, they're supportive, you know, and, and always always a good avenue to talk to. Um, and another big part of my recovery, uh, recovery network, you know, outside from um, other addicts is, uh, you know, my professional network that I have, right? So counselors, you know, substance abuse counselors, um, therapists, um, my psychiatrist, um, you know, the, uh, so I'm, I'm graduated from the program now, but I was in an intensive outpatient program for a little while after I got out of rehab, um, you know, doing group therapy, um, in a, in a setting with a, with a counselor, um, you know, also professional network as far as, you know, my mentors in my professional career, you know, talking to them when I'm stressed about something at work. Or talking to them when I'm stressed about something, um, you know, in my professional life or anything financial related, you know, building that sort of network can be huge. Um, and it can go into, you know, go into the aspects of my life that recovery affects the most. So I think uh, strategies, some strategies for finding those, right, is, is really just, you know, being open to new um, relationships trying your best to be open-minded and, um, you know, try to try to ask as many questions as possible. A piece of advice was once given to me that, you know, if you're in a social situation or if you're having a conversation with someone you just met or uh, if you don't know how to approach someone and, and introduce yourself and then, you know, carry on the conversation from there, one of the best things you can do in situations like that is ask questions. 
you know, what are you interested about in, in talking to this person in the first place? And if you can form that into a question, um, questions are a fantastic way to carry a conversation forward. Um, and they're a fantastic way to let someone know that you're interested in them, interested in, you know, building a little, little more of a relationship with them. Um, you know, it's a good way to get away from that sort of awkward small talk that, uh, that can happen um, anytime you're talking to someone new. Um, so, you know, that goes for, you know, professional relationships, um, you know, relationships with, you know, friends and family and relationships, you know, with other recovering addicts too. Um, you know, just ask questions like, you know, what's something in your life that you want to improve by, you know, starting this new relationship with a person? Um, form that into a question, ask that, and I guarantee you it'll, it'll get the conversation going. Um, and it'll help get over that little first hump of awkwardness. So when, uh, when I, I had just over a year clean and, uh, you know, I moved out to Northern Virginia and, um, well actually, actually, I guess, so I'm, I had just under a year clean and I moved from the Eastern shore to, uh, to college park for a little bit, then to Northern Virginia. Um, and I was in Northern Virginia probably for like you know, a couple weeks and then I celebrated my first year clean. Um, and I've been living in Northern Virginia since, so I'm getting ready to come up on a year living out here and uh, getting ready to come up on two years clean and sober. Um, and it's exciting, right? Because I've, I've really been reflecting on this past year. And, uh, you know, when I first moved out here, my whole recovery network was over on the Eastern Shore of Maryland. You know, it's where my sponsor still lives. You know, it's where all my sponsee brothers live. You know, it's where all my friends and, uh, and my network in recovery, it's where everyone in recovery that I looked up to and you know, we'll call on a regular basis, talk to them on a regular basis. You know, they're all over on the Eastern Shore of Maryland. So when I first got out here to Northern Virginia, you know, I remember, you know, being outside of 12-step meetings, you know, uh, smoking a cigarette. This this was before I, I quit smoking cigarettes. Um, but, uh, you know, just awkwardly standing there, you know, listening on other people's conversations, thinking to myself, like, damn, like, everyone's probably like, look at this weirdo, you know, look at this guy, but... The best, the best thing I did to help me get out of that first awkward stage was, um, you know, actually was a piece of advice that my sponsor gave to me. So shout out to him, Jim Bizzle, Jimbo, the Jim Bambini, um, you know, big dog Jimmy. I appreciate it. He told me, do what you did when you, when you first got clean in Cambridge, you know, why should you treat it any differently than that? Just because you already have a recovery network doesn't mean you shouldn't get a recovery network out there where you're living now. So do exactly what you did in your early recovery. Um, and it's exactly what I did, man. I went to, you know, I started going to meetings every single night, um, you know, meeting as many people as I could, hearing as many different people speak as I could and forcing myself super awkwardly, you know, to go up to people after the meeting and, and just say something as simple as like, hey, man, I loved your share, man. Uh, I'm Barnes, you know, I'm new to this area. Could I get your number? Um, you know, and at first, you know, it was hard to actually follow up on that and, and, and call people, um, you know, but once I started going to this, once I went to the same meeting two weeks in a row, saw the same person there who last week I'd asked them for the number and introduced myself, they recognized me say, hey, it's Barnes, right? Hey, yeah, man, it is. It's, it's good to see you again, man. Keep, keep coming back. You know, I know you're new to the area and, and slowly, probably over that first month of, of being out here in Nova, um, just like that, man, I started building a network kind of in the same way um, as I did over over on the Eastern Shore of Maryland. 
Um, so, you know, advice for that, moving to a new area or, you know, being in a new situation, you know, the number one thing I try to focus on is, you know, I have the disease of addiction and I'm powerless over that, but I'm not powerless over my recovery. So if I want to find lasting recovery, you know, I have to work on this every single day, no matter what. No matter how much clean time I have, no matter how many people, you know, in recovery I talk to, no matter how many meetings I go to, no matter how much service I do, you know, it doesn't matter if I'm making the coffee for a hundred different meetings, you know, I still have to work on my recovery every single day. Otherwise, it could all go away. Otherwise, everything in my life today that I'm so beyond grateful for, you know, it could all go away if I just think that I got this thing under control. Um, because the reality of the situation for me is, you know, I'm always going to be an addict. It really doesn't matter. Um, my disease of addiction doesn't care what I'm doing. You know, if I don't, if I don't work on it every single day, um, just one day at a time, you know, this shit is going to start creeping back in this, you know, small areas of my life at first. And then next thing you know, I'm going to go right back to where I was. Um, and it's, it's the reality because I've seen it happen, you know. And I, I know today I don't, I don't ever have to go back to the way my life was in active addiction. Um, and the only way that I got here, you know, was taking things one day at a time and working on my recovery one day at a time. Um, so the, the best thing, you know, the best as, as far as the network goes, man, and the importance of it, man, is, you know, for me, I have to realize that, you know, I'd be, I'd be nowhere today if it wasn't for the advice, suggestions, the role models, the people, the predecessors, you know, who came ahead of me, who got clean before me, you know, who figured out how this thing works and, you know, figured out what it really takes to find lasting recovery. And it's different for everyone, man. And that's the importance of having a diverse network. Um, you know, my network is crazy diverse. Um, and I wouldn't have it any other way, man, because no matter how different I am from someone else, you know, I know if they're a recovering addict, there's one thing that we can relate on. Um, and, you know, it's, it says, you know, I hear it all the time, man, a, a recovering addict helping another recovering addict is without parallel. Um, and it doesn't really matter the, the history, the stories, you know, how we grew up, you know, our different upbringings, you know. If I can just sit down and have a conversation with someone about something I'm struggling with um, and, and like, you know, just get honest about something, man. It's the most powerful tool to combat my disease of addiction is help from another recovering addict. Um, and I firmly believe that and I'll stand by that. So I know right after I finish up this podcast, man, I already know I got to make some phone calls. I've, I've already talked to a couple addicts today and... Uh, you know, I fucking love talking to addicts. It's it's the best feeling in, in the world, man. Picking up the phone and sharing a laugh. You know, I got friends of mine who I call them and, you know, I don't even say a word. They just pick up the phone and start cracking up, talking about like, man, like this, you know, this this just made my whole day brighter, you know, cutting up with other addicts. And, and at the same time, you know, if I'm, I could be going through like one of the hardest emotional, you know, breakdowns that I've ever experienced, Um and I can just pick up that phone and, and have someone to talk me through it. Um, you know, and, and the majority of the times, man, when people call me, um, when people call me just wanting to talk through stuff, you know, like, hey, man, I really need help getting, getting through this situation. I don't know what to do. 
you know, I don't know if I need advice or anything right now in this moment, but I'm hurting and I just, I just want to have someone on the phone that I could talk to. Um, you know, when people call me like that, I get so much out of it, you know, and, and talking through stuff with other people, man, it helps me just as much, if not more than them, you know, listening to someone vent about something, you know, it kind of allows me to see like, damn, like, you know, I've been going through some shit and I need to open up about it and I need to get honest about it too. You know, why haven't I talked about my shit at a meeting? You know, why haven't I picked up the phone and called someone and talked about this that I'm going through? Um, you know, if this person can do it, I know I can too. Um, you know, and the support, the support network is everything, man. So, you know, I'm just so grateful, man. I'm so grateful for my recovery network today. And, uh, you know, I was kind of rambling here, you know, I had to rain check with my guests for this week, but don't worry. We got an amazing lineup of guests coming on for the rest of season two of the pod. I'm pumped. I'm stoked. Lots of things coming. And, um, you know, I really hope someone got something, um, out of this episode, man. I could talk about my network for hours, man. Um, you know, it's, it's an amazing thing and it's so crucial for recovering, um, you know, and, and being able to, uh, you know, kind of identify uh, the fact that, you know, networks are ever changing and ever improving and, you know, relationships may come and go. But, you know, if we really want to achieve lasting recovery, you know, we always got to have a network, um, you know, and, and networks are different for different people, different situations, different settings. Um, but having relationships and connections and a network and knowing just knowing that I can pick up the phone and call someone and that everything's going to be okay and I don't ever have to get high again. Man, it's the most amazing feeling in the world knowing that. So, you know. But yeah, thanks again for everyone tuning in this week. Um, please give a like, follow us on whatever streaming platform you're on. Share this with anyone who you think may get something out of it. And um, we'll see you guys all next Sunday.